1: Hi, guys, and welcome back to another new episode of Couch Talks on You Need Therapy. My name is Kat, and I am the host. If you're new to Couch Talks and you're like, what is this? It is the special bonus episode of You Need Therapy where I answer questions that listeners send to katherine at com. Now, before we get into anything, I want to remind us all that I am a therapist, but this does not substitute for therapy or act or serve as therapy. So I'm usually just do one question, but I put a question box up on Instagram. If you want to follow me or the podcast, you can at cat.defada and at UniTherapy Podcast. But I put up a question box that said, if you guys could ask me any question and nothing was off limits, what would you want to know? So we're going to do a couple of those, and then we're going to take one of those questions and expand on it, and then I'm going to save a lot of them for future episodes. So if I don't answer your question, that doesn't mean I won't ever answer it. You just have to keep listening. <laughs> I'm going to start with this one because, you know, I just really appreciate this question, and it is, what is your favorite flavor of crumble cookies? And if you don't know by now, I'm obsessed with crumble cookies. I'm really just waiting for them to sponsor me the day you hear a crumble ad on this podcast is the day I have made it. So I appreciate this question so much. And my favorite flavor, very easy. I actually got this cookie the first time I ever had crumble cookies. And it was like a sugar slash Oreo cookie with Oreo icing. So it was like vanilla icing, but it tasted like the inside of an Oreo and there was Oreos crushed into the icing. It was so good. They have had a couple different Oreo flavors, but that one by far was the best. And then I love anything that's cinnamon. So they have a churro one that I'm obsessed with, but anything with cinnamon, I love. Hot Take, I don't love their chocolate chip cookie. I'd rather have semi-sweet chocolate chips in mine. And I don't like the pink sugar cookie. I've never been a fan of sugar cookies, which is not my favorite. So they always have those two flavors and they're not my favorite ow. So thank you for that question. That really has gotten us off on a great start. (laughs) People are like, I thought this was a mental health podcast. Well, crumble really does help with my mental health. Seriously. Except when I ordered it when I had COVID because I just wanted some happiness in my life and I got my crumble cookies, opened up the box, sat on my couch, bit into them and couldn't taste them. That did not help with my mental health. Anyway, moving on. So, I want to address this question too because it refers to last week's Couch Talks. And she said, I listened to the Couch Talks episode on narcissistic personality disorder. Have you ever treated clients with narcissistic personality disorder? It sounds like you hate them. And I actually responded to her and said, Thank you so much for this feedback because I never want to come off that way. And it's good awareness for me to know that I was coming off a little hateful. And then she said, I didn't really mean hate. It just couldn't really type out what I meant in the small question box. But I did want to address this. One, yes I have. I did it a lot more often when I worked in treatment, but yes I have. And I also believe any of the like Hate that may or just like the disdain or the ickiness in me talking was probably coming from more personal experience with people who have this disorder rather than like my actual dislike towards the general population of people who might be struggling with this. Because what I also really have is a lot of empathy for people who are struggling with this, because as much as they're causing hurt and harm, it also comes from a wound. And as much as they might show up as very grandiose or self-centered, they're also very insecure. So I do have a sweet spot for these people. And what I have to do as a clinician and as a human being is not use my empathy as a weapon towards myself. So I can have empathy and understanding towards somebody and not maybe even forgive behavior, not excuse behavior, and not put myself in situations where I have to experience repetitive, hurtful behavior. So I did want to just take a second to address that. Thank you for that feedback again. And it kind of leads into the next question about being a therapist. And this person asked, do you have to filter yourself as a therapist? Like what you want to say versus what comes out? And yes and no. As a therapist, a lot of times I have to be mindful of what I'm saying, how I'm saying it, when I'm saying it. Because what I want to do as a therapist is help people figure out how to help themselves. So eventually they won't need me anymore. It's all about building and empowering these people. So a lot of times I want to just like tell people things. I just want to like blurt out answers and I have to instead ask questions. And also I do that because sometimes I might get ahead of myself and think I know things, but I might not know. And I always say that the clients are the experts in their own lives and we want to keep it that way. I do not ever want to create a dependence where a client feels like I have to be the one that's answering these questions because they can't answer them for themselves. So yes, in that regard, I have to really filter myself because sometimes I just want to tell them because I'm excited or I don't know, just because I'm a human. And then there's the other part that, yeah, I think a lot of times when clients ask me my opinion or... I get triggered by something because maybe I've experienced that in my life. I have to ask myself questions like, should I be saying this? How would this be helpful? Am I saying this for me or them? Do they need to hear this now? Do they ever need to hear this? Because I have to remember that I'm not sitting in a conversation with friends. I'm sitting in a conversation with a client. And as much as I believe that I need to show up very human with my clients and that's what helps create a lot of healing, I also have to remember that there has to be some boundaries in our relationship. So I do have to filter myself, but I also will say I don't lie to my clients my job is to be honest. And so I'm not going to lie to them. I might just not give as much information as I want to give, or I might rephrase something to say in a more professional way. Although if you're a client and you're listening to me, you might be like, what? (laughs) That's you filtering in a more professional way. I'd really want to know what you're really trying to say or what you really wanted to say or how you really wanted to say it. So yes and no. And also sometimes I mess up. Sometimes I say things and I'll say like, I really shouldn't have said that. And I actually did that recently somebody said something and i i said immediately i'm so sorry i should not have said that that was just like the very human cat coming out and that was not the human therapist cat and i would take that back but i can't so we're just going to sit with it and we're going to talk about it so i mess up okay and then the question that i want to get a little bit deeper into is a couple people asked this and I think it's because I posted a little bit about it and they said, do you have any tips on coming back to movement after having COVID? And we're going to talk about this when it comes to COVID but also you can apply this to any time you're coming back to movement after an injury or an illness because this is hard, especially if you have body image issues, a history of an eating disorder or a history of an exercise disorder or just disordered exercise, disordered eating. Hey guys, Kat here. And I have something very important to talk to you guys about. Now I know you're used to hearing me talk about therapy and how important it can be for you and how transformative it can be for you in your life. But if you're somebody who's tried therapy and it just hasn't done the trick, or you just need a little extra boost, I think I've found the next best thing. And the next best thing might just be cozy earth and their bamboo sheets and their bamboo pajamas.
2: Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count.
0: Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry.
1: So I will say I just went through this slash I'm going through it right now because I had COVID and then after COVID I went to a wedding and then after that wedding I went straight to Disney World for a week and so I was like out of my routine for a long time and I will fully disclose that I did work out a couple times in that period. It wasn't just like I didn't move at all, but it was very different than what I'm used to doing and it was a lot less intense than what I'm used to doing. So then I came back and the beginning of this week, I took my first cycling class at the cycling studio that I teach at. took my first one in probably three weeks. I hadn't gone in three weeks, which is a really long time for me because I'm there all the time because I work there and there are points in the class that I actually thought I was going to die. That's an exaggeration, but I had a really hard time keeping up. And at the same time, I survived. And the reason that I survived is because I listened to my body. What we have to remember when we're going back to movement after taking a break is that we don't have to go and meet ourselves exactly where we left off. We can meet ourselves where we are and that's okay. Now, I will say one of my biggest fears and I asked this question to you guys on Instagram and got so many responses. But one of the questions I asked was what keeps you from being able to take breaks from movement and rest. And I will say for me, my answer is no longer, it would have been years ago that my body would change. That's not really what my fear would be. It would be more about, and a lot of you guys said this, it would be more around losing the endurance and the physical strength that I have built up because you can lose that pretty quickly. That would have been my greatest fear. And I will say in the last three weeks, that came true. I lost some endurance and I lost some physical strength. And what I want you guys to know is that you can build that back. Like, it is fluid. And yes, I am maybe a little physically weaker than I was before I got sick. And I have the ability to build that back up. And there's no rush to get there. There's no like time stamp on this. I don't only have three weeks to get back into a certain kind of shape. I have forever. There's no rush. And I have to remember that. And it pulls me back into something that we talked about in the podcast a couple of weeks ago. And that is that slow equals fast. If I were to just jump in to what I was doing a month ago, I could injure myself. And I could also cause long-term damage, especially to my heart and lungs, because those have been strained in the last couple of weeks because of COVID. And I think because I had a mild case, and you guys might relate to this as well, I didn't really have a super, super crazy case of COVID. So in my head, I'm like, oh, I'm fine. But I have to remember that part of me being fine is because my body worked so hard to keep me okay and to get me back to where I am. So my body's tired. And so when I get out of breath really easily in a class maybe it's because my body's working extra hard to keep everything working and moving and and trucking along. So my body's already stressed before I get to the workout. So if I'm going to overly stress it again, I could cause some long-term damage. And is that really worth it? Is it really worth it for me to have long-term damage to my body just so I can get back to my movement practice quicker? No, And it doesn't even matter because I'm not going to get back to it quicker if I'm causing myself more damage. So slow equals fast is one of the tips I would say to engage in when it comes to this. Also, all of this got me thinking, and this could be different for you, or it could be the same, or maybe you've never thought of it this way. But when I think about my body and movement and my body's ability to move, I am not proud of my body just because I can walk into a space and do something automatically. I'm proud of my body because I've made a commitment. I'm proud of myself because I made a commitment to take care of my body. And me taking care of my body includes movement. And because of my commitment to that, I am able to do things that I think are really cool. But I'm not proud of myself just because I can do those cool things. I'm proud of myself because I made a commitment to myself. And I've worked pretty hard to get to where I am. So thinking about that, after the first class that I took that I was like, man, like I have some work to do to get back to where I was because that was harder than I remember it being. I also thought of that as like kind of exciting because I'm back in the space where I get to build something and we can always build stuff, but I'm back in the space where I get to build something and I'm in the work. And the work for me is one of the best parts. And you might not agree with that, but that's genuinely how I feel is that I enjoy the process of working on myself. I enjoy taking care of myself. I enjoy allowing myself to have opportunity for growth. And that's where I am right now. So if you are looking at how do I get back into this movement practice that I've had and not overdo it and not underdo it, I want you to think of it that way. Of like, Can you think of getting back in your routine, your kind routine of taking care of your body, as an opportunity for you to grow? And can you get excited about that? And when it comes to growth in this area, slow can equal fast. I also want to add, if you really are struggling with being worried about overdoing it, then I would encourage you to ask for support and ask for accountability because eating disorders and anything that comes with addiction can be very sneaky, very, very sneaky. And you can convince yourself that you're fine. You convince yourself that you're not doing too much. But I would encourage you to ask for accountability from people that are safe. So when they see you doing something, they can say, hey, I want to check in. If you're on the other side of that spectrum and you're like, oh, I feel like I've lost so much. I don't want to get back into it. You can do the same thing. Ask for accountability. Maybe it's really tough for you to get that motivation, which that's a whole podcast for another day about how I view motivation versus what we really need to look at. But if if it's tough for you to gather that motivation, then you might want to ask a friend to help you. Hey, I just like can't seem to get myself up and moving. Do you want to go on a walk today? Or I've been wanting to go on a short run for a couple weeks now and I'm just like a little bit scared to get back out there. Will you come with me? And it can be the same kind of accountability, but in the opposite way. So I hope that helps with that. I want you guys to know that I'm in that too. And really, I'm serious. The slow equals fast. I'm really holding on to that. And I'm also really holding on to the idea that it's important for me to check in with my friends who know me and know that I can overdo things. Because yeah, I am in a place of recovery, but I'm also in a place of recovery because at one point in my life, I wasn't. And I'm not any better than anybody else. I could relapse like anybody else could. And so I have to have things in place to keep me from going there. And one of those is accountability. Shout out to my friend, Anne-Marie, who's been on the podcast before because she's somebody that I was texting a lot when I was like, oh, all I want to do is go for a run. I feel fine, but I know that I shouldn't. And she gave me some good information and helpful facts and content to help, you know, talk me off of that ledge. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much for the questions. We will continue to answer them on the next couple weeks of the podcast and get excited because we are in the middle of an attachment series. We are doing three episodes back to back to back on attachment. The first one is the basics that came out on Monday. Then we're going to do avoidant attachment in adults. And then we're going to do anxious attachment in adults. And it's coming right before Valentine's day. So, you know, we can talk about all the things relationships within that. If you have questions about attachment, please, please, please send them in to me. Catherine at unitherapypodcast.com because I will either include those in the episodes or do a special couch talks after the series closes. So I will see you guys on Monday for the avoidant attachment episode. Have the day you need to have and get excited because that merch is getting closer and closer and closer to coming out. Right now I'm having issues with finding the colors of the items that I want because, you know, supply chain madness out there, but we're working on it and I'm trying to get that as soon as I can. So have the day you need to have. Love you guys and see you Monday.
2: It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash Healthier Happens Together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual.
0: Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry.